coming over to meet this guy from Australia. Hey, my man, what's happening? Uh, wait. What's going down, bro? Going down. Oh, yeah, just blowing the froth off a couple. All right. Hang loose, my man. Mm. Flat out like a lizard drinker. They say what? What? <laughs> He's cool. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. Good day, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to Look What You Made Me View. This is a podcast where I talk about kangaroos with my boo. I'm Ryan. I'm Kaylee. Get out of my way, you pelican. <laughs> That's the quote of this week's film, Crocodile Dundee, 1986 comedy, From Down Under to Up Over. We are uh, exposing Kaylee for the first time to this character, this world, and I have to put it that way because there are way more of these than I thought there were. Really? How, we're, ma- how many? There's four, I think. Oh, my God. There's, I didn't realize there was like Crocodile Dundee 2, then Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, but there is that one, and that's the one we've been trying to watch because HDTGM did it. So, yeah, we, we didn't want to watch that without watching the first one. So that's why we're watching this. Um, also, it was a very uh, near and dear film series, apparently, to me, because mm-hmm. now watching this, I'm realizing I've mushed the first two movies together completely. I imagine that's an easy thing to do. Yeah, this one ends in such an odd way. (laughs) Oh, it's so cute. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. Well, yeah. So my background with it... um, Oh, oh, let's do the summary before I get into yeah, my experience. Yeah, you're getting ahead see. of yourself. I am. I'm excited. This is a good one. <laughs> uh, we're pulling this up here. Ba-ba-boop. All right. Paul Hogan's hilarious, endearing performance made Crocodile Dundee the biggest box office comedy smash of 1986. What? Michael J. Crocodile Dundee played by Hogan, is a free-spirited Australian who hunts crocodiles with his bare hands, stares down giant water buffaloes, and drinks mere mortals under the table. But he's about to face the ultimate torture test, a trip to New York City. Beautiful and tenacious reporter Sue Charlton. Is this Charlton? Carlton. It was with an H. Charlton? Like Charlton Heston. I guess, Charlton. Uh, Gets more than just a story as the wonder from down under rocks the Big Apple to its core. The wonder from down under. Okay, before I give my background, uh, let me get a summary after you've finally seen this. How would you summarize it? I have two summaries. I had one at the beginning, and I thought it was so clever, and I was just going to keep it. Disappointed I couldn't. It was a New Yorker in the bush. Okay. You know, like an American in Paris, a New Yorker in the bush. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's not this film. <laughs> this film is jungle to jungle. Yeah. 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 But Australia and full-grown man. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. There's a lot of films like this in the 80s. I think this is y'all's version of y'all's version of apocalyptic films. Like my generation has all these apocalyptic films from like Dante's Peak to Deep Impact. Y'all have a lot of these like back to the earth films. Okay. 
Well, yeah. it's more, uh, yeah, I see it more as like explorative in um, kind of like global citizen type shit. You know what I mean? A little bit of that, a little bit of like, hey, city life sucks. Um, let's get back to the roots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like population bustle, is bustle, a like serious you simplify, problem. Yeah. yeah. Word up. And, uh, you know, Australia is very unknown. This is uh, iconic because it does bring a lot of Australian terms and um I hesitate to say culture. It's not pulling a lot of real Australian culture, but it does mm-hmm. pull some. It has some recognition for uh, the indigenous people there. It's not totally void of information for people that don't know jack shit about Australia. Right. Uh, it's just this. It's just this thing that has to happen in movies where the it has to be a white guy that it's all processed through. Right. You, you ha- couldn't bring David Gillipi is in this, or Gillipil is in this movie. Yeah. And it, he should be the crocodile Dundee. He should be the guy. Yeah. It should just be. Because he's a city guy mm. that still has ties to his tribe mm-hmm. and still, you know, walks those lands and stuff. It should be, that would make it more funny. It would make it way more interesting and culturally informative. Right. But Do- they have to have the, it's Avatar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I think that is like the new generations go back to the earth. I never remembered it being something where he was because they say he's um, we're getting into the movie already. We really are. Yeah. Tell me why you like this. Like what about this spoke to you as a kid? I think this is where I fell in love with Australia. If anybody knows me, they know I have been obsessed with Australian everything. For as long as I can remember now, um, I've been there a couple times, um, and I just, I, can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. My favorite artist <laughs> in the world is Australian, and I just, uh, I won a guitar from that artist, and uh, yeah, I just received it today as we're recording this, so like, I'm fucking, I'm super psyched. Anyway, I feel like it partially starts with this movie this movie does have a lot of the scenery, a lot of the background of Australia. A lot of the intrigue is there. Um, they do show some of the indigenous people. So I feel like, I don't know, it just felt so, I was so, it was so compelling, like the, the landscape and everything and the accent and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember seeing, I mean, it's on cable a lot. And I think the first two were. There's just so much in this movie that I do remember well. And I do love... So so much about Australia, and I have to think that this is the catalyst for all that. Well, this is not as severe an indictment as you know me finding my love for elephants while watching the movie Hitari. Like you finding your love for Australia by watching this movie is weird to me. How else was I going to in 1986? That's a great point. I don't know how well people in America know Australia. I don't at think that they point. did, and that's kind of the point here. Okay. Is this is known for sort of introducing, and and it's sad that uh, this introduced a lot of Australian concepts to people. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about where this movie goes. We start in one of the craziest, nicest rooms I could ever imagine. That room that she's in, in Sydney, if you were to rent something like that right now, that's probably an $8,000 room. Wow. Okay. You saw where it was. Yeah. Her view was outrageous. It was was right there. Right on the opera house. Yes. It was 
insanely nice. Yeah. And she's just there to do, I, I can't remember what the original story is. She's a, she's a reporter. She's in Sydney reporting on something. And then she finds out about, uh, she reads some local story about uh, Crocodile Dundee. And that's why she ultimately pers- pursues him. But I can't remember why she's even there to begin with. Right. But even like before that, take it all the way back. This movie has the coldest of cold opens. It's just like, bam, New York City at night, Twin Towers. And yeah. I'm like, I thought this took place in Australia. It starts like a 80s TV show. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a movie at all. I didn't think any part of this took place in America. I thought this was an Australian-made film that just so happened to get a cult following in America. Yeah. I didn't know it was popular at all. Can we immediately watch Crocodile Dundee 2? Yeah, please. <laughs> I'm ready. Um, we probably should have before we even started talking. <laughs> I mean, what, what time like is it? I don't know. I don't think two, we have time for no, it. No, no. But um, I do really want to watch it now. Yeah, we might I'm have to do curious. a bonus episode. I just like took two seconds to figure out who Paul Hogan is. Right. Okay. Right. Um, and I found like this movie was nominated for like a Golden Globe and like mm. he hosted the Golden Globes and like this film was very popular. Yes. Had no idea. And who is he ultimately? Because he wrote this thing like it's his concept. He stars in it. And what has he done since? Not much, really. He was a comedian and then he did, of course, a Foster's commercial and then a Winfield cigarettes commercial and mm. um, he hosted the Golden Globes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the guy. I just know the character. So it is really, you know, being a grown up now watching mm-hmm. this, uh, seeing that, that he is kind of a creator here. He's not just some dude they found and um, put in a movie. No. Which is what it felt like. When I mean, I was a kid. he apparently co wrote this. Right. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Is it, but as a kid, it felt like he, he was just pulled from the crowd. You know, he's a weirdo and they put him in a movie. Yeah. Which is kind of what the movie is. Yeah. <laughs> so me being a kid and, and not taking that, you know, far of a leap uh, f- from reality. I hear what you're saying. That makes sense to or me. Or from the film to reality. Right, right. But then we have this reporter in Australia. She reads a local story and she, for some insane reason, is like, yeah, I got to go find this guy. The OG story is that he had his leg bitten off. Yeah. But he killed the croc. Yeah. And we find out he doesn't have yeah. his leg bitten off. He has sexy scars. How much of this, the beginning of this movie just feels like a grift? Like all of it. All of it. And Until I Until they hope, get to New York, it's, it feels like a grift still. Like what a joy and a pleasure it would be if somebody from a, a, a genuine Australian resident hears this podcast at some point. Because my opinions of Australia are just so... All over the place, right? Like, we watch a lot of Australian stuff, mm-hmm. but I just find it to be like a deeply unserious country. Everything is like a joke. And, and the it's character. It's a bit insulting, but uh, yes. No, it's, I mean, like. Uh, it's understandable. I don't, I don't understand like the politics of the area or anything like that, but it just seems like all the people there are really, really nice, very friendly, and constantly taking the piss out of each other. I admire and love that quality, and that just seems like that's what this movie is for the first 20 minutes. I would call it a more playful country. I think a lot of what they do is just more playful. So, yeah. 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 I like it there. It's fun. Um, but Dante's got some good jokes. He does. Even like from the jump, he just seems like he enters the scene 
playing a joke with a stuffed crocodile. Yeah. And that's our introduction to the character. For sure. The, uh, d- what? <laughs> I thought it was the croc that supposedly bit his leg off. I thought so, too. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, the reporter, um, she gets sent on this thing. Um, she asked for permission to do it, of course. But uh, she says she's going to be fine because she says, don't worry, I'm a New Yorker. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to mean. Yeah, what is that going to do In Australia, for I don't know you. what that means. Yeah. But she finds him, of course. He's in some little podunk town. He does come off, like everybody's calling him a poacher. Um, yeah. He does not come off well at the beginning. You no. were not really feeling him at the beginning. I mean, they throw around the word poacher, and I'm immediately against it. Well, he just wasn't that appealing. Like, the charm doesn't hit you in that first scene at all. Well, yeah, he's immediately sexist. Mm-hmm. He picks a fight. Um, and now, granted, he picks a fight by like kissing a guy on a cheek. That's fun. I like that. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. No problem. And I have to jump ahead now because there's so much of this movie has him reactionary to um, feminine men or trans women or. Um, gay men. Yeah. It, they don't really treat these people well in this movie. So for him to kiss that guy at the top, because the, the guy gets mad at him for kissing him. He does. That's the whole deal. Is like he knows that there's a trick that, um, or not a trick, but a game they play where this guy holds a beer on his head and gets punched. And yeah, if he doesn't spill the beer, then I guess he gets his beer paid for. If he drops it, then you, uh, you know, he pays for your beer, I guess. I, I think that's how that works. But mm-hmm. he, you know, He's tough. Mm-hmm. So Dundee kisses him and he drops the beer and then tries to fight Dundee. Yeah. So it's homophobic there, but it, Dundee is the perpetuator of homophobia later in the movie. Yes. Uh, but this film does such a, uh, I don't know how to talk about this comfortably because it's still a thing I'm learning to be comfortable talking about. In Australia, we see very strict gender roles. He goes into a tribal um, meeting ceremony. I don't know what all is going on here, but he's like, "Nope, it's just guys." Yeah, and and it's when they're says for women, yeah, think. when they're on a walkabout, he's like, "This is man's country," right? There are clear cut gender roles and a clear binary. I think some of that is tied to like realistic tribal dynamics um there may be some ceremonies where it's just all dudes sure but then we get to new york and it's supposed to be like this um totally alien world to him where the gender binary is you know not nearly as blurred then as it is now but it's definitely blurring at that point there's actual representation in this film Mm -hmm. not good representation but it is here yeah uh, and if it is good at all it is outweighed so much by how insensitive they are at times but yeah uh complicated movie very yeah but any moment when we're just like out in the outback um and, and she's on her walkabout i love I'm just confused about why she's there. What do you love about it, though? Okay, so we're moving ahead a little bit. Mm. Um, of course, she finds him, and she convinces him to uh, take her to the spot where the incident happened. Well, she pays. 
Yeah, she wants the story. So she wants to go along. And this is just so crazy. The whole thing. I'm going to go alone or, or with this guy, just me and him, to this remote location. And we're stuck there without anybody, like, with a vehicle or anything. So And he's fucked. got a gun. And I'm running around in a bathing suit. Awesome. <laughs> she dresses so inappropriately for the Outback. Yeah. And... I don't understand, man. I mean, she is a very attractive person, but I think she could have had way more clothes on and still been attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We didn't need that. I'd prefer somebody to be safe and attractive. Right. Like, I would prefer for somebody to... Safe and attractive. Safe and attractive. Um, Look nice and not have all that exposed skin for snakes. It's just not... I shouldn't say safe, just like sensible. Like, have some common fucking sense. Uh, You can't be out there like that. Be reasonable. Everybody else had a hat, too. Yeah. She didn't have a hat. Yeah, no, she has like a a driving scarf. She's like the whitest of ladies. She's not. Well, she's not by the end. Like, by the end of her Outback excursion, she's very tan. She has, you know, gotten her son on. Let's talk about her a little bit. You know, we start with her sent on this mission, and it's clear that her boss is her boyfriend. He says, I love you. Yeah. Yeah. When they hang up. Um, So now she's going out alone with Dundee, and of course, they get busy in the outback, right? I, I don't think they get busy. Really? I think it's implied that they are going to get busy, and then they get interrupted. Right. Right. Was that by Dave Gillipill or? Yes. Okay. Or by um, the other gentleman who's supposed to be like driving them to location. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he showed up early or something. Yeah, the Bear Grylls crew. The, okay, so that guy apparently, he's like a character actor in Australia. He's not in much, but he's in all of these. Okay. Yeah, the character's name is Walter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's John Malon. I like that guy, mm-hmm. except for the part where he's asking if uh, they did it. Crocodile Dundee did it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's cute. He seems respectful of her and her situation. I just oh, he's checking her out left and right, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess he is. In the bar, um, we just kind of get like a taste of you know Australians. Yeah. And we meet like the most Australian barkeep I have ever seen. She's got like short, super short blonde hair and she's in a tank top and she's keeping bar. (laughs) It's amazing. Like the the characters, they it just seems like they pulled people off the street and asked if they would be in the film. I can't say authentic, but it's definitely fun. Um it's it and because the most iconic scene in the franchise is not in this, it, it made me wonder, what about this exactly? And I get it still. Um, I do find myself enjoying like the pace of it, and um, a lot of the dialogue works for me. Like It's not bad. It, no. Like, it, it's very, very pleasant for the most part. Um, but yeah, like it, it is showing you little bits of authentic australian culture without really being able to do it right 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 um as soon as we get dropped off into the outback we start to acquire um dundee's sensibilities like he doesn't care about time 
And Walter mm-hmm. says, well, no concern for time or again, place, he's, lucky man. He's raised by um, Aboriginal people, and he is kind of aligned with not all of their ideals and not all of their ways, but many of them. So yeah. he's kind of they're, they're and this is what's kind of disturbing and problematic about this character because he's a stand-in for Indigenous people, like true Australians, um, and you know they make concessions one for his whiteness, and then there's a few other things that he would do that you know Indigenous people wouldn't do, right? Right, sure. He's the bridge character. He's the bridge between original Australia and New York City. He's the bridge between indigenous people and like Sydney. Like, I mean, he's, he's not even close to a city person necessarily, but he is definitely, um, he says he has never been to a city. You know, what's funny though, and this is not funny. I, I shouldn't say it's funny. Um, there was a time in Australia where, um, indigenous children were uh, acquired and stolen from their families and taken uh, to white education programs and uh, fostered in white homes and ultimately adopted by these white families. Um, but they basically take these kids and indoctrinate them to white culture. And it's a major, major uh, incident or a part of Australian history. I mean, it's a, it's got a long lasting effect on Australia. Um, and it's a very serious thing that happened there. So for this to be kind of the reverse of that, where he is a white kid raised by, um, black folks there. Uh, I think that's kind of insensitive. Like I, I don't know that that's okay in regards to like, they had a major, horrific event in their in their history that is the reverse of that i don't think that is i think that's tone deaf yeah and it shows that while crocodile dundee is able to traverse both worlds that's his privilege it it doesn't mean that the opposite is also true no it wouldn't work the same the other way and that that's again this is a safe way to do this yeah um let's talk about the outback itself we're in the town and it's dusty and dirty and disgusting and I don't want to be there. And then we get into the actual wilderness and it's beautiful. They're just like on a boat at one point and there are just water lilies out there. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Very nice landscapes. I mean, they do a good job at showing while they, they are not in Australia for even a majority, like close to half of this movie. Right. Right. So, So they do a decent job while they're there. They're there to also show the problems that are happening in Australia. Like the hunting party comes out yeah. and they're just killing kangaroos. Capping kangos like for no reason. In the middle of the night. And the homeboy says, Crocodile Dundee says, well, there's no law against it. Yeah. And she has to give him the hard stare before he's like, I got this. And now tell me, this is my problem. Okay. My problem is, I don't know if that is a stuffed kangaroo that he just happens to have for no, this purpose. that was a dead one. That was a dead one. It had to be, right? Oh, that's awful. How could it be anything? He holds up a dead kangaroo body and like uh, they shine a light on it thinking they're going to shoot this kangaroo that's out there and mm-hmm. he actually shoots them. And yeah, it had to be one of the bodies from the ones they killed already. What a choice to camouflage yourself in the thing that they're trying to shoot. Yeah. I mean, right. you would think that he's just done. 
Yeah. Right. You would think a lot of Very things dangerous. about this movie. Bold move. That's his whole deal, though. Mm-hmm. This guy, that's why I'm saying he seems like a shyster. He seems like he's trying to, like, he is a poacher, and he's not a great person, and he's just a shyster. I feel like that's the whole vibe for the first 20 minutes or so. And he only seems to get involved in affairs outside of himself if somebody else is watching. What? It, oh, so they start buddying up while they're in the outback, and... They start talking about relationships. Mm-hmm. What did he say about his first wife? He was married at some point. He was married at some point, and then he went on a walkabout for 18 months, and she wasn't there when he came back. And he is upset with her for leaving. Right. Right. Okay. That is male privilege. Hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, her, her response uh, to the same question of mm-hmm. marriage is... Um, Something about almost married, but the, you know, she talked about the relationship and how they were activists. And she stopped doing all that. He's probably out there supporting gay Nazis. Yeah. I don't, the, that, that is the ultimate. Oxymoron. I think that's the beginning of the homophobia. I would, I, I hesitate to say that the bar scene is the beginning of the homophobia. Right. Right. That's just funny. It's unexpected to get a kiss from somebody that you think is going to punch you. Big ultra macho guy probably is has a fragile male ego. Like that's that's just a truth. That's a reality. There are fragile male egos out there. Oh yeah. We don't have to like stay away from that just to like avoid coming off homophobic because right. that's a type of person, right? That is real. This shit Gay Nazis just seems like planting like it's it's homophobic stuff. I think it's just to say like her her ex partner is willing to march with whomever, just because it's it a cause, seem and he seems devoted to. She just, was like save the whales. Um, yeah, uh, gay rights. Um, oh no, it was women's equality. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like all very progressive stuff. Yeah, but it seemed like it was all a joke. To her, like well, especially he w- when she says he's probably out there marching for gay Nazis, right? Yeah. He's just out there to march. It doesn't matter what how ridiculous or what the cause is. <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me uh, when she storms off by herself. She does this thing where Crocodile Dundee is like, uh, "Take the gun with you. Shoot if you're in some trouble." Yeah. And she takes yeah, the gun. Yeah, she gets offended saying, I'm just a Sheila, you know. Right. I, I, you think I can't do anything by myself. And she shoots like right next to his boot to make a point. It's a good shot. Imagine if she had shot the boot. Oh my God, this would be a completely different movie. How was that going to happen? She's a marksman. Right. How? She lives in New York. Like, how? Hey, don't worry. I'm a New Yorker. I don't understand this. Uh but she goes off on her own, and he is, like, stalking her the entire the time. The entire well, I mean... I just love that. Like, this city person is so arrogant. She thinks that she'll be just fine. She doesn't even know she's being followed by the person she's trying to beat up a mountain. Nope. She comes across a uh, pool of water here. Um, a body of water. Is it? How do we describe this? Small... Pond. Swamp. Or swamp. It does not look like you'd want to touch it. No. But she's trying to get some water. Uh-huh. Uh, looked like she was going to get in because she pulls her pants down and shows the booty. She's got some sort of like 80s leotard swimsuit thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like she's ready to get in that water. Yeah. 
And then what happens? It's basically the bow rat outfit, but like <laughs> yeah, shmish. green and covers her top. But it's like she's it's, out there pranking crocodiles. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah, so she's filling up her water bottle, and then all of a sudden, crocodile comes yep. out of the water, grabs and the like, necklace, grabs her bottle. Oh, that's the bo- but the yeah. bottle's like wrapped around her neck. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah, that and was. She's freaking out, and oh my god, this man comes out of nowhere and stabs this crocodile right in the head. In the head, oh my god! <laughs> I was scared. Like that moment really did get me, because I grew up with like um, Steve Irwin mm-hmm. and just like oh, watching him wrestle. I knew we were gonna go there. Oh, at we some have point. to talk about I it eventually. Him just like wrestling crocodiles, and I was like terrified of this. And it would just like show up on PBS or whatever. I'd be like watching Arthur, and then all of a sudden, it's like Steve Irwin wrestles at the beginning when he first snakes. walked in. Yeah, I thought he was like wrestling an al- a crocodile that like came into the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it was scary. I vaguely remember him wrestling more crocodiles, but you know, again, I I already mentioned there's more so i may be just thinking of the other ones yeah maybe i don't know um very alarming moment he saves her life and now all of a sudden she's like in love with him i think she was in love with him to begin with i think she was like interested she should have been more dubious like yeah or he's dubious like there she there is no reason for her to trust him as soon as she does no, no, but she is rescued by him, and I think that's the the moment where she's like, "Okay, I can trust this guy." But it's also whatever. the hey, yeah, fuck you, I was right. You're just a woman. You can't protect yourself out here. Like that it was such a weird. I don't like that. Right. Immediately after that, we have the moment where um, David Golpilil, Golpilil, <laughs> yes, comes out of the outback and takes. Dundee off to a ceremony or um, an all-male event. A ritual. Yeah. 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 And then we see clear gender divide. She is about to take a picture of them, which is a big no-no. I know. There's a really fun moment where uh, Dave sits down and she's going to take a picture and he says, you can't take a picture of me. And she says, oh, because you think it's going to steal your soul, which Mm -hmm. is kind of a simplistic way to look at what they believe. Um, that's a pretty direct way to put it, but it's more nuanced than that, I think. Sure. Um, and he says, no, you have the cap on the lens. <laughs> so he's cool with it because he's kind of this like more modern lifestyle guy, you know. Um, he's in blue jeans. Right. He doesn't even like the, the Outback. He hates the bush, he says. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's walking Bumping around. into trees in the dark. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then she bump like jumps over to the party, and it looks like she's going to start taking pictures of people, and I, I just lost my mind. And like we've established, she knows it's wrong. Yeah, and she she's already brought do it up anyway. So thank God, I think she's just looking through the lens, you know, binocular style. Maybe, but she eyes uh, Dundee, and he just gives her the cold stare. Why does Paul Hogan look like skinny Hulk Hogan? That's a great question. He has way better hair, I will say. He does have better hair. Um, more, more of it, sure. Yeah. But he is so tan. Yes. That it is like pro wrestler level tan. He's too hairy to be a pro wrestler. And he's too thin. He's too light. I think yes. He's not a very intimidating guy. 
No, I mean, he's very fit. He's fit, sure, yes. but he's not like imposing, I think is the better word for it. That's his charming quality is he can kick your ass, but he'll make a joke after. And he does. All right, we got to jump to New York. She. All right, so. I th- think it's time. Yeah. This is fucked up because he does uh, play this the right way uh, throughout this movie. He He does him and just, you know, stays true, but she leads him there. By saying uh, that she might be flirting with him. Yes, but also she wants to finish finish the story. But the way it comes off is like, it sounds like you're coming on to me. Mm-hmm. And she says, I might be. Yes. And that's why she wants him to come with her. This is why they but did not says, bone in the woods. But then she says, also, I could finish the story. This so is the way why they did not it, bone in the woods. What do you mean? Well, I th- they were gonna. It looked like they were they gonna. They were gonna, but they did not. Okay. And that's why he goes to New York. <laughs> to, to finally get... So she can finish her job, and he can finish his. Good Lord. Okay. Right? I, I think that he likes her. That's... And, yeah. Okay. And I just realized, we're, we're kind of just walking through the movie. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, why does he like her? She's hot as hell. She's gorgeous. Undeniable, very attractive physically. And way out of his league. Why in the world would he want to go through all this for her? She seems sharp. She seems interesting and she's funny. She is tougher than he thought. Yeah, clearly. I don't feel like they have a lot in common. This is a very strange sister. Again, you you make this an actual uh, like aboriginal person. Right. (laughs) Like way better movie. The dynamic is totally different, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it reminds me of the other David movie, um, The Tracker. Oh yeah, yeah. Where um, you brought that? I thought I was going to be the one bringing that one up. No, I really did like that movie, and I recommend it. Movie's um, amazing. It's incredible, and I learned so Rolf much. Here, yeah, watch every Rolf here film. I mean, when I say I'm into Australian shit, like, I'm into Australian shit. You better go listen to all Australian music that you can find. Uh, Rolf here is one of the better directors. Um, you Shout know. out to the chats. And of course there's, yeah, plenty of, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but there's so much great culture there, and I encourage everybody to visit if they can, too. It's not easy, but uh, yeah, if you could. Yeah, I think this movie would have been way more interesting if David played the lead role. But with right. him not playing the lead role, he this is... He is charming as shit. Like, he's such a great actor. It, it, yeah. I didn't realize he was in this. Really? I, I don't remember. Well... I discovered. I feel. I felt like I discovered him um, watching Rolf Tahir stuff, like Ten Canoes and uh, Tracker. But um, apparently, this is where I discovered him. Wow, <laughs> he's in it briefly. He's not. Yeah. I wonder if he's in the second one a lot, though. I hope so. I really, really hope so. And I do have to mention, you know, rest in peace to the homie. He's gone. He's Aww. yeah. He's not with us anymore. But no, um, I didn't know. Yeah, he's a real one. That dude was awesome. But. Without David playing the lead role, this whole Outback situation plays like Romancing the Stone. Have you seen that oh, movie? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can totally see why you'd say that. But yeah, it's situational. Especially with her in her like, sleeveless uh, yes. garments. Yeah, and she's fancy city lady who's <laughs> like acting tough. Um, yeah. God, that movie is so good. But it it's situational romance. They're like in a state of trauma. and then A the sit-row? 
a sit row um, as opposed to a sitcom. Uh, <laughs> and then they end up. This is definitely not that. No. And then they end up in New York and it's a total reverse of the role. She is now the one who knows how to work in this world. And he just has to kind of like figure it out. If not for the imbalance of time spent, I would say this is a, a, um, two sides, both sides of the coin type film. Sure. We're not, I don't think we're getting enough of his experience in, in Australian culture. I think we get way more American culture or United States culture. Oh, right. We get kind of like what the American audience would want. They eat Goana, they show a town in the outback. And then they show like the landscape, and that's pretty much all the American audience wants. There is a great scene where he cooks some um, stuff he found in the wild for her, and she starts to try it, and she's like, eh, "I don't know if I want to eat that." Like some of his bugs, yeah. And uh, then she's like, "What are you? What are you going to eat?" Mm-hmm. And then he breaks out some beans. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, that stuff is." good for you but it doesn't taste very good you know right right. it'll um, keep you alive but it doesn't taste very good that was a interesting flex can you imagine how much work it took to do all that yeah he cooked all that food found all that food and cooked it just well, for the joke like yams and shit just for the joke he yeah. he made a joke meal he pranked her and it's not too much tuna style that'd be easy that'd be easy i think you just scoop out some tuna <laughs> too many times <laughs> little too much tuna salad. But this was intricate. Yeah. It looked like some damn survivor shit. No, I mean, it's yams. I'm sure. No, nah, like, he had some other, like, bu- you remember that? Where it was like figs or something. and I don't know. Bugs. And he says, bite the end. And it's like juicy or whatever. And then he breaks out a can of baked beans. Yeah. For himself. Good for him. Baked beans. And then he he had the nerve to talk about how uh, the snake gave him gas. Yeah. And then he pulled out the baked beans. Yeah. Irony. Makes me think the snake was also a joke. Everything is a joke. I I think everything's a fucking joke to this guy. Yeah. I just realized, too, part of his charm for me growing Mm -hmm. up is he does remind me a bit of my grandfather. Really? There is a lot about, like, his face that um, is reminiscent of my grandfather and the fact that he's a joker, like, nonstop, just cracking wise. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's quick-witted. This is how I know I couldn't live full-time in Australia. I've never been, but I'm just going to assume right now I couldn't do it. I'm not like a very um, social person. I don't like talking to strangers. We had a situation last night where we went to our local arcade and like a stranger tried to like hug me. Oh, good Lord. And I like lost it. I like, That was so weird. I didn't freak out, but like I... I turned into a turtle and I shot. Her angle was. It was so bizarre to me. But like, I'm just not that kind of person. And Crocodile Dundee is out here in New York, like shaking hands with people while in a taxi. He's just too friendly. And we were watching um, Professor Sprout. I can't think of her name right now, but Professor Sprout from Harry Potter has a documentary show. Um, where she is talking about becoming an Australian citizen. Oh, yeah. She marries an Australian, right? Yes. Yeah. And she's so put off by how friendly Australians are because she's British. And I mean, like, they're worse than Americans. I don't... Okay. I haven't been to Australia, like, a lot. Yeah. But um, I dated an Australian, too. I don't think that they're that much di- i wouldn't like label them as more friendly than any other you know culture or anything they're just they're people too um huh. the fun of it all is like 
just the differences, just like how you, how they say things, um, the different terminology. Uh, but personality-wise and just like cultural warmth doesn't differ that much. There are plenty of places in the United States that are very warm and friendly. Yeah, It just true. depends on where you are. That's true. Even in Australia. Like, I, I had this uh, train ride from Sydney to Newcastle, and there were some fucking assholes on that train, man. Like, I was on that thing for eight hours, I think. Oh, my God. And I had a big old bag with me, and just, like, there were some guys on there were, that were just not nice. Um, yeah, it was it was miserable at times. And when I first got there, the, my first experience in Australia is taking a cab to a hostel. The cab driver was okay, but um, of course you're exhausted after that, after that flight, so you're a little loopy and weird, but um, I get into the hostel and the guy was just like, he was like, you're weirding me out, man. What? I'm just asking him like, hey, how does it work? You know, I'm trying to stay. I need a place, you know, for the night. Yeah. And uh, I ended up just taking a shower, taking a nap and leaving because I just didn't like the energy there. But one of the funniest things is um, I learned about the thing I mentioned where um, they indoctrinated young indigenous children um, at that hostel. Wow. There was a common area and they had stuff playing and I just like sat there for a couple hours and I watched some stuff. Um, so that was the first exposure I had to that. Wow. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And, and not um, to compile ideas here, but yeah, this kind of stuff happened in America, even as late as like 10 years before this film came out. So um, it's a serious part of any British colony unfortunately i get it you know we're trying to expose the world and each other to other cultures or, or you know each other's culture to each other um yeah and it's 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 good to do it through humor i think humor is a nice entry point for everyone to discover um the differences yeah i think having a bridge character like crocodile dundee the white man who can have a foot in both worlds is a very 80s perspective i don't think we would go about that that now um but i can understand you, yeah you couldn't do this now although kaylee i'm pretty sure i was looking into all this stuff and there's a 2020 dundee film really i think there is oh i would watch it we're gonna have to watch all of them now yeah i mean this is my new uh karate kid and not that i've seen all the karate kids even we gotta finish that up too oh, but man. oof uh I'm into it. I'm interested. I'm curious. I don't know nearly as much about Australian culture as you do, but I watch Bluey constantly because yeah. of our kid. Yeah, I mean, even our child has an Australian show in her life, and that's really wonderful for me because I could have never expected, you know, to be able to introduce her to just like the basics. They're people, they sound a little bit different, they say some different things. But they're just like us, you know yeah. what I mean? Like this movie wouldn't be as interesting if it was an actual white Australian because they don't live that differently than Americans. No, I think Sydney is L.A., you know? They're comparable places. It's still slightly different. I mean, there, right. there's, of course, it's not going to be exactly the same. But for the most part, they wouldn't be that out of place in the States. In fact, Australians, by and large, travel like a motherfucker, like... Um, the only reason I met somebody that I dated in Australia was because they were traveling here. 
Oh, wow. Okay. I wasn't in Australia when I met them. I was here. There you go. Um, just so happened I'd already been there. So it, I think they are kind of more worldly, which is ironic because this movie is all about the isolation of Crocodile Dundee and how he doesn't know anything but the Outback. Right. It, it is bizarre because Australia is a continent, but it's an island. Right. So they go to Bali, they go to Japan, they go to Italy or wherever it may be. Um, and they have to leave the country to travel, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, that's where you get these European attitudes, as people say. You know, when people are exposed to different cultures more often, you become kind of, uh, you are shaped differently. You are not as egotistical about your ways. Sure. I find that Americans, by and large, are defensive of the American lifestyle and being here and from here um, as if it's the best place you could grow up. And, you know, it's not no. at all. It's one of them, but no. it's it's not the best. Uh, I think I had a history teacher in high school who did a really good job of just like explaining the statistics of it all. Simple stuff like 70% of the world doesn't use toilet paper. Think about how often we do that in America. Oh, they have or, a bidet scene in this. So they yeah, do. They, they address that slightly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> th- simple facts about like who eats bugs and who doesn't. Like obviously Americans don't do that, but we see mm-hmm. it kind of represented even in a joking fashion. I, well, I'm, I'm out here film. to tell you Americans, you do eat bugs. We all eat bugs. Um, you have food. If you eat vegetables, there's probably some bugs occasionally. If you eat uh, lots of foods that have dyes in them, they, they use bugs to dye foods. So everybody's out here eating bugs. They just don't realize it. Yeah, I'm, I know this is running long, but I want to talk about him actually being in New York. He gets into this nice hotel that is basically the set from 2001, but like painted orange. <laughs> it's such a gross place. You know, he is in there smoking and he can't find an ashtray. And yeah. So he ashes in his hat, but then he walks back into the common room and there's an ashtray right there. Yeah. Well, he knew that already. Maybe he didn't know it was an ashtray. I don't yeah. know. I don't know, but I did think the ashing in the hat was really funny. Uh, we meet the boyfriend or soon to be fiance. And I hate how like every 80s movie needs like the cuck boyfriend. And it's usually played by Dan Aykroyd. Do you understand like the night, the dynamic I'm trying to. Yeah. It's the overconfident boyfriend who can't see that, uh, his relationship is slipping away from him. Yeah. But also he's a dick. Well, that's why the relationship is slipping away <laughs> yeah. from him. Yeah. Yeah, so... Because he is not the greener grass. Yes. Yeah. But he sure thinks he is. Yes. So he's going to order the food, but the whole menu is in Italian. So he plays the trick on Dundee and is like, you can order for everybody at the table. He opens up the menu. No, uh, he said, I will order for everybody at the table. No, he says, I'll order for myself. And then... The boyfriend Mick is does. like the boyfriend was gonna order for everybody. Yeah, and then Crocodile Dundee is like, like no, I'll order for myself. He thanks. says Italian. He's like, okay, let me check this out. Looks at the menu. He never ends up ordering anything. No, because he punches the guy. <laughs> yeah, he says the, the, it was one of the better parts of this movie. Yeah, the distraction of it all. I don't really know how you pronounce it, but what that guy is eating looks great, or what that lady's eating. Yeah. Everybody looks 
he socks the dude. Yeah, who's already been drinking, like, a lot. Yeah, so then he can play it off as, like, oh, well, yeah, he's not handling his alcohol, so. Right, right. And uh, the lady is already miffed. Pretty cool move. Yeah. Um, I don't condone violence, but uh, clever violence is better than uh, stupid violence. Yeah. And then we see him at, like, a fancy party. That's interesting. He sees the... um sex worker is there i can't remember her name but she is there talking to some old guy and dundee makes the comment like oh how nice of her to (laughs) talk with the old guy at the party Uh, okay so yeah there there are a couple moments there's a moment before this uh where he's kind of obtuse for no reason he he should understand some of these things i would think he would know what a prostitute is A, a sex worker i think he's seen ladies that you know do this before Oh, right, right. Sex workers are everywhere, you know? It's the oldest Uh, profession. You cannot avoid this. I don't know who doesn't know what a sex worker is. Right. And his best friend, uh, the character played by David, would know who a sex worker was and definitely would have told Dundee at some point, right? Like, there's no way. Oh, Oh, maybe, yeah. Because he's a city guy. Yeah, he's still a very manly man. He goes to the bar, you know, they fuck around like dudes like they they know what sex workers are yeah it's in the bible it's in the bible he does they do talk have a religious conversation that was fun in this too they do they do uh he sees coke and doesn't know what coke is and that's kind of i get that i guess they had to have that 1986 had to represent for cocaine yeah yeah And, and we meet the creepiest of dads, uh, the reporter's dad, the really rich guy. Oh, he comes into her office and acts like he doesn't know her, or acts like he knows her, but he's not her dad. He, you know, he's just pretending. And the way he comes in, it's like he's a skeevy dude. He says, "Oh, uh, New York's most eligible woman," or something. Um, yeah, I mean, don't you like role playing with dads? I would never. Never. My child, I'm not going to come into my child's like adult job and sexualize them yeah it was weird and disgusting but we get just the vibe that he's kind of creepy creepy rich dude um and i feel like dundee is kind of like made to be a spectacle for all these rich people it's like a pocahontas situation you realize he's kind of a a prop for her yeah yeah and it's reminded me of something else we've watched recently um what other fish out of water stories have we done? It reminded me a little bit of Native Son, and that's a bit of a stretch, but the premise is a white woman asks for um, a black man to give her a tour of his part of town, mm. in quotations, um, and she ends up dead and he gets blamed. And it's like this really, really tragic, upsetting story. But it's this whole like pulling somebody into. You're or, or forcing your way into somebody else's world and then pulling that person back into your own world. Okay. Right? Yeah. So that they can be made to be a spectacle, but also so you look cooler in some kind of way. He's King Kong. Sure. Sure. Yeah. He's, yeah, sure. Yeah, they King Konged him. A little bit. Uh, he obviously doesn't like it. I can't blame him. For some reason, um, one of the T-Birds from Greece is a pimp in this film. (laughs) 
That guy sucks. He's so... What a choice. I mean, nothing about this film is cartoonish except for that one character. Yeah, his accent, his like, he's got this really weird voice. Yeah. I, I was going to say accent, but it, it's more of a voice. Like, it's a... It's a character choice. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, is why I say, like, an extra from Greece. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're going to watch a lot more of these movies. I don't want to really... This. It's a pretty straightforward story. It is. Um, She brings him back and appears to still be with the person because she never mentions the damn actual fiance. No. Even though they're not engaged yet. But no. She doesn't mention him at all before they go back to New York. So that's the fucked up thing. So he's got to kind of deal with that and explore New York on his own because of that. He's not really with her per se. Um, she lures him there. And then ultimately he gets fed up with the dynamic of it and tries to leave. He try, He's going to get on the train. And yeah. that's where we have one of the greatest moments in film history as far as I'm concerned. Oh my God, it's great. It was really good. It's better than like Goldie Hawn jumping off the boat in her gown and like overboard. Like right. it's better than that moment. And yeah. that's up there for me. It's, it's very sweet. So it's it's kind of New York, but it's it's this surreal version of it. Um, but yeah, just it's a game of of telephone. Yeah, in the, at the subway, they're passing along a message. Uh, these there are two people in between. The lovers. Yeah, like just a chill, like almost B-boy type guy, a construction worker, and then, you know, Paul Hogan is is all the way at the other end. So yeah. it's going through those two dudes, and at the end of it, everybody ends up saying, I love you, basically. Yeah. And it's just so heartwarming. It is. It. And yeah. then he, like, steps on a Mets hat and, like, over people's heads. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, he's walking. <laughs> I was not expecting him to walk on the people. That no. Did, why can't you just get the fuck out the way? Crowd surf. Yeah. They were that... Tightly packed. They couldn't have been. Yeah, I mean, well, for a New York subway, no, they definitely weren't. No, they weren't all up in each other's butts like that. They could have backed it like they could have been for a second to let him through and then relieved. You know what I mean? Like, right. It wasn't that tightly packed. They did not have to, he didn't have to walk on them. What is the symbolism there? I'm trying to think if that's like there for a reason. I'm not, yeah, none of that's clicking for me. And, And honestly, I don't know what this movie is for. It's not a bad movie. I enjoy it, but like, I'm trying to like really wrap my head. What is the point of this movie? I think it's to educate people like, hey, this is what Australia is kind of like. But I think it's also there to, I don't know, tell a romantic story. It has a big romantic ending. It seems like that's the point. I could say that she is kind of a stand-in for my heart for Australia. You know what I mean? Like, I fell in love with Australia, too. But I hesitate to say that because he is this strange-ass version. What is this? Did you watch this scene? Yeah. So this is the scene I was talking about. Oh, really? It's in this? Yeah. Oh, so I was out of the room when this happened. I really like this scene, yeah. The, it's that's not a knife. This is a knife. Yeah, this that's the is iconic a scene. I even said my dad says this all the time. It's like that's not a knife. Oh, this son is of a, a bitch! Knife. I was out of the room. Oh no, that's so funny. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Okay, well, I'm glad that I saw the scene. Um, there. <laughs> that's crazy. They're getting mugged. I, it, it drove me nuts that it. Well, I didn't see it. Yeah, there's this moment where they're getting mugged. And the guy oh. has like a teeny tiny knife. Anybody that knows this movie knows this scene. This okay. is the most like, you know, referred to part of the movie. 
Dang. Well, I was going to talk about this later because this was definitely like one of my favorite scenes. It's the most known the scene. They smooch here? Yeah, this is when they fall in love. What? She gets saved yet again. Oh, that's right, because he grabs her buns. Yeah, he gets up in the buns. Damn, dog. How in did the I miss of the, the city? Maybe it's so regular in my world that yeah. that phrase. I mean, I just blew right by me this viewing. <laughs> I was trying to absorb all the stuff I didn't remember that well. Yeah, sure. Wow. Oh man, that was that's kind of a mind fuck. Yeah, well, I mean, that's pretty much the film right there. She gets saved twice by this guy. Uh, and I guess three times because she doesn't marry the asshole. That's right. I yeah. like that. You know, who rescued who? Three times saved. That's right. My cat rescued me. <laughs> Is the cat? Or my dog. Crocodile Dundee? Yes. Yes. Crocodile. Oh, that's a good name. Dundee. Dundee is a great name. For a pet? Yeah. I like that. For a cat? Yeah. Dundee. <laughs> Dundee. Our kid really wants to get a brown cat and name it Tofurky. It's a good one. That's the best cat name ever. For sure. How do you find a brown cat? I, I don't know. I don't know. I've seen yellow cats before and they just... I don't like yellow cats. Now it sounds like we're cat racists. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, let's... I, I think we, we might be doing another episode of Crocodile Dundee, so let's... Uh, Woo-hoo. Let's save it for later. All right, deal. Um, now that we know that all is well with this movie and how it introduced the knife thing and all that, because um, you've seen the Simpsons episode where he's like uh, Knifey Spoony. Oh, I've seen you've played yeah. Knifey Spoony before. That's based on this. It's oh. it's all referential to that. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, um, yeah, cool, iconic, makes sense. Would you? Yeah. Make this movie, or what, what are, am I doing? What are you doing? What is, your, what is your favorite part of this movie? All right, my highlight. Uh, I have too many wonderful moments in this film. I love that the guy gets punched at dinner. That was a great moment. But I think my ultimate highlight, if I'm going to limit it down to one, we have this moment where we have to see, like, how does Dundee act in New York? And somebody gets mugged, their purse gets grabbed, and like a bag of groceries gets knocked over. Can of soup rolls out. Dundee picks up a can of soup, aims, throws it through a crowded street in New York, and hits the guy on the back of the head. I love it. I'm I so love bad. it That's so much. That's my highlight too. <laughs> oh, damn it! No, it's so good. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Also, when um the driver. Uh, the dad from Family Matters yeah. uh, hits uh, one of the pimps. I don't. I don't want to call him that. With the um, the car ornament, you can't like a take boomerang. You can't take them. Oh, both. they're both so good. Those are like mm, top two. Top two, man. <laughs> I know they're violent. I don't care. It's very Australian. Throwing a can of soup or like beans. If it's a can of beans, that's the most Australian thing in the whole movie. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, do you have a low light? I do. This film is transphobic yes, as fuck. Um, yeah, that's kind of the biggest issue I have with it. Is it really? It's not just transphobic. It's also homophobic. It is. Yeah. They say the F word straight up and I'm not for it. Um, they can fuck right off with that. That's not cool. Uh, but it's an 80s film and I do have to acknowledge the time in which it came out. This has never been okay, but I kind of have come to expect it. In- I know. It's just unfortunate because there's certain like 
movies like dramas where it's said and it you know the character would say that and it makes sense that the character would say that sure uh, uh, Django the DiCaprio character would talk like that uh, like that's what those guys would talk like I immediately thought of the uh, characters in Pulp Fiction yes well yeah. so I, f- I find some of the language in Pulp Fiction to be totally unnecessary um, yes uh, specifically Tarantino's parts but um but some of it, I get it because that's just what the character is. Here, like our hero is saying the tone transphobic of, the tone stuff. of the film seems to be accepting of this like disgust. Yes, and that's that's the you know unpleasant part of it. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't like that, but also I don't like that he disguises himself with a dead kangaroo. <laughs> Not just because it's a dead kangaroo, but also because he's disguising himself as the thing that is going to be shot. Yeah, it makes no sense. Str- yeah. Strategically, it seems like a silly move. It's dumb. It's yeah. real dumb. Okay, uh, same question to you. What is your highlight? I- I'm going to have to tell you, this is... Uh a weird episode because my highlight yo everybody I'm really happy for you I'm gonna let you finish this is one of the greatest music videos of all time one of the greatest music videos of all time drug Okay, that was Where is the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Yep. That was the song. Yep. I'm very familiar with the song. Okay, good, 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 good. I loved the song. Uh, This came out in 2003. You liked this song? I liked it. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. It's talking about like things I don't hear about often. You know, the worst bars I've ever heard. I'm a kid when this came out, so all of this was very edgy to me. Oh my god! (laughs) Really, it was just a song that was about after 9/11 and being a kid during 9/11 was really weird. What year does this come out? 2003. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and they've talked about it since, about how like it was written about America after, you know, going into Iraq, and just like the rhetoric change. Mm. Uh, but then they also wanted to get artarded. Yeah, <laughs> in here. Like, yeah, this is a very interesting group. This very group bizarre of group. Or I'm sorry, beans. Beans, legumes. Yeah, the cluster of legumes. A black eyed pea is technically a bean, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Beans are legumes. Yes. Yes. But it's not like a vegetable, it's a bean. It's a bean. A black eyed pea, even though it's a. Like, peas are not legumes. Are they? Yes. Peas are not just vegetables, they're like beans? I don't know. I think peas are legumes. Is a pea its own thing? <laughs> it's a pod, <laughs> it's a seed, technically, right? I don't know. Is edamame? It's the same as edamame, I would think. No, because edamame is a bean. Uh, soybeans are a bean. Oh, we're going to get so much email about this. <laughs> yeah. Too much. Bean facts. Too many emails about beans. Good. 
Good. Where are the beans? Where are the beans? This I song. hate the black eyed peas. This I like the black terrible. eyed peas in real life, though. Those are delicious. Oh, yeah, for sure. I loved the black eyed peas when I was a kid. Because it That's, is. I mean, I guess that tracks. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the equivalent in my generation. And, you know, there's boy bands and stuff. Not sure. boy bands necessarily, but like Jackson 5, maybe. Um, Speaking of boy bands, the chorus was written and partially sang by Justin Timberlake. Interesting. He is on the chorus. Oh. That's yeah. why it was a successful song. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. He put a little magic. It certainly wasn't Apple D apps sixteen. <laughs> um, he did the most adequate job you could do. <laughs> yeah. So did Fergie. Tops. Oh. Man. <laughs> so ob- obviously, I picked this song because it um, samples One Love. <laughs> That's why really it's not staple. like an important song to you. It's no, of course it's important, but like of all the Black IP songs that I could have picked that I liked off of this album at the time, this was the one that like we've already talked about One Love and a fellow listener reached out to me and was like, "Hey, let's talk about this song uh because they that that's the latest representation of One Love." Yeah, and once they start doing it at the end, I'm like, oh, this song is kind of a soft version of One Love. Sure, but the One Love that we're talking about is like One Love for America, not One Love for like monogamy. It's a totally different concept. Yes, but melodically is all I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Melodically? It's It's not, you know, sonically not that similar at all because there's the aggressive bass line and stuff in the Houdini song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, the song is a song and it is okay. It is of its time for sure. I would hope mm-hmm. that when you're bringing these, introducing me to songs and videos specifically, like in this context. Yeah. That at least I haven't experienced one element of it, either uh-huh. the video or the song. Uh-huh. And that you at least enjoy and celebrate one element of I it. I loved this. You still love the song. You still love the song. I like the song. Um, I, I definitely don't love it. When I was a kid, I loved it. Okay. That's fair. Because yeah. that is the premise, uh, you know, we, stuff we grew up with. And, um, right. If this you don't still like impact. it, I totally understand. No, I mean, I grew up in a pretty conservative household. So this was kind of... Uh, my first exposure to, you know, openly talking about corruption of the CIA or openly <laughs> talking about the KKK. That was just not a conversation that was had I in my household. No, no. Yeah. This shit is laughable that these people even say those uh, fucking terms and talk about uh, some sort of oppressive uh, system when they are just, they are not that type of act. They that's, are not that's those types of That's the point I'm trying to make here yeah. is like I was grasping at straws. This is the straw that I happened to grab. I know. It's just, it's bizarre that they would even go there at all. It is. No, it is. And I like that it's in there. Uh, I think it should be in there, but I think it should be in more of their shit. It does not. No, none of it adds up. None of it adds up. You put sure. these lyrics together. Like, what are they actually saying? Why would they mention KKK? It's like they don't have love for each other or their fellow American or their fellow person in general. You're asking a hate group, where is the love? Yeah. <laughs> it's like their whole fucking thing. <laughs> They're a hate group. So not have love for you. Like, yeah. You, you should say fuck them. 
Yeah. Like, don't ask them to, like, meet you on equal terms. You're not going to be on equal terms with Nazis. No. That's it's crazy. Mm, yeah, that's something I can't. They're willing to hate. You don't want to hate. That's a completely different vibe. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I like the song. I like the music video. I thought it was cool. Um, I thought um, the outfits were neat at the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. Ryan, what is your highlight? Um, oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> I'm having a hard time with this one. Yeah. No, I think you I have, have a like serious a serious distaste for them. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I was trying to check something too. Like as I was, I was watching, I was like t- trying to keep something in mind. What, what what do I like about this? But uh, whew. the more the more I try to like say, oh, this was cool, this was cool, I can immediately like find a problem with it. So JT being on the chorus that was a nice piece of information. So I appreciate that. I had never seen the video before. I didn't realize that everybody appeared on it. So I think I like that. Every black-eyed pea is present in this pod. Yes. Because uh, you don't always get that. It's usually just Fergie and Willie. Yeah. William. Very good point. Um, Dislike. What is your low light? Most of everything about it, but I think I kind of covered it with them referring to CIA, KKK, and it's just like, y'all are just saying shit. Like, you're not really saying anything. You're just like putting fucking acronyms out there that sound like they are progressive thought and it's not there's no weight to any of it it doesn't it's weightless yeah it doesn't seem like the message reached any of their other songs yeah it's just a shallow fucking song i guess is what i'm saying and the video does no different like you know we see a scene where this dude's running from cops and it's like this is clearly all set up like i know he's it's he's acting he couldn't have actually tagged a truck and then been chased by cops in new york city one Mm -hmm. they're too famous Two is a music video. Three, like, it's just, like, you wouldn't run down the middle of the street like that either. Yeah. Like, the way it all went down. So, so patronizing. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Uh, I can agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah, not a big fan. Yeah. My highlight, um, I love the outfits. I love how of the time this is. But some guy pulls out like a Palm Pilot with a full keyboard. And that just gave me like total sense of time and place. Uh, dislike? I don't know. You don't have any dislikes? I do. I do. But it's tough to like just pick one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Him running from the cops. It's all very staged and theatric. That seems ridiculous. Uh... And then he's sitting on the steps talking to him. It's uh, the whole thing that his, I don't remember that guy's name. That's not Apple D. App, right? Apple D. App was the guy that was still in the security van. Yes, I believe so. I honestly could not tell you. You don't know the fourth member of what are they called again? <laughs> like, <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> These guys. Yeah. Uh, also, no. shouldn't there only be like three? How, how often are there four peas in a pod? It does happen. I'm not. Yeah, it does. You know, saying there can't be. That's. The lucky Pete. Oh, that's the whole point of it, too. It's it's one of the lucky pods. The lucky pods. You got more than three. Yeah. The more, the merrier. Sometimes you only get two. Yeah. It's the two peas in a pod. Yeah. I guess I don't like that I liked this at one point. That's my Black Eyed Peas grow in pods? No. Fuck me. (laughs) No. What am I doing? I don't think they do. (laughs) I think they grow on a bean tree. The the bean tree, yes. Yeah. (laughs) They grow on the bean tree. Reginald Bean Tree the Third. (laughs) 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Absolutely not. I tried to make a book reference and you just went for Reginald yes. <laughs> being the third. <laughs> Bean tree. <laughs> the third, my dear. Terrible. Uh, yes. Cool. We're done here. Yeah. Let's move along. Let's go back to this movie. Okay. Drug. It is exactly the same shit. Like, both highlight and low light is exactly the same. Really? I swear to God. Let, let me look at my notes. I, don't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't even have to look at them. I'm pretty confident. Like, you started talking. I'm like, what? No, that's familiar. That's what I wrote down. Uh, boomerang scene. Yeah. Highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Carl Winslow chucks a boomerang because he's, uh, he, you know, he's an indigenous person, too, at heart. But yeah, I did not love all of that. That's a pretty weird insinuation, but you know, if you think about it, mm-hmm. we all are. We had this kind of argument during this viewing. We did about what tribalism means. So um, there's no reason, you know, for me to be suspect of you, you know, seeing this differently. But like, I like that. Sure, I do okay. like that. Um, there's a call back to that because you know, while while. This is very, very problematic in uh, co-opting culture in a lot of ways for a white man to be doing this. At least he is showing the world like something about indigenous people. That's what I tried to say earlier. Like this is an 80s attempt at showing America what Australia was like without any prior context. Really. What an American perspective. The lesser of evils, right? Like, right. I'd rather have it in this capacity than not have it at all. Right. That's, and that's a fuck. That's a fucked up like compromise for us to have to have as a culture. It happens so often with these 80s films, though. It's yeah. like uh, the gay representation in some of these films that we watch. Not great, but it's there. Cool. Yeah. And I have to applaud the fact that it's even there. Because some of these 80s films, it's like, that's groundbreaking. But why is it that like comedy and action go for the more um, xenophobic or racially charged stuff versus like horror movies? Horror movies don't do racist shit. Yeah, you, yeah, they do. Do they? Yeah, they do. Like what? First person to die. Oh, come on. That's racist to say that. Well... It's, I know, it's a no. statistic <laughs> in I'm, horror I'm kind of films. fucking with you because it is. Okay. Yes. No, you're right. Um, no, it definitely exists. Yeah, and there are very few black leads in horror films. But do they take on race like as in, oh, Candyman does talk about that heavily, I guess. Uh, but they make him out to be some sort of hero in some ways. I guess not the original, though. In a way. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That's, fa- that's fascinating, too. Because... Um, we're always going to keep coming back to the times. Now it sounds like Metal Gear. I was going to say it sounds like a newsroom. The yeah. Times. The Times, yeah. Oh, Morris Day also can be in the mix. Jungle love. I mean, if we want to get into it, we have a bit of a, a um, bush love here. Wait, wait, wait. Like Steve Miller band? No, I'm talking Morris Day in the Times, Jungle Love, O-E-O-E-O. Oh, I, I was talking. I know you, know you. Driving me mad, driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into my lowlights here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Same thing, man. The homophobia is just very off-putting. Um, transphobia. We had. We're not clear. There is a woman later in the movie, an older woman at a party, and she's got some sort of status. I guess she's like uh, the head of the magazine or paper, whatever they're doing. 
I don't even care anymore. I'm so over this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to watch some more Crocodile Dundee. I'm just wanting to get into the, the next movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel hypocritical having offense to this. Feeling offense to this. Because one of my favorite games in the world does this exact thing. Really? A Kojima game does this. Really? Where um, the Russian general, like the main bad guy, um, you're dressed in a mask, and apparently the mask you're wearing is like his boyfriend. Oh. So he grabs your crotch okay. to make sure it's you. So he put like... Crocodile Dundee grabs a couple people's crotches in this movie right? and embarrasses the shit out of them. One person takes it exactly the way they should. Yes. Being like totally violated. Uh, the other one, a little bit more okay with it. Um, and our argument, our argument, mm-hmm. was, was this woman trans or not? The argument more, I think, is... At the end, the, you know... Uh, right. The argument more is that Dundee sees or, or, or suspects that a person is trans and immediately treats them the same way we treat, like, a bull or a chicken. Yes. And, and, and grabs. Yes. And that's not okay. It's an indictment on where he comes from. If he's supposed to be representative of this culture, it's it, this is why it, it has repercussions beyond just like being uncomfortable and insensitive to a person. Yeah, um, I think, yeah, they shouldn't have this shit in here at all. Maybe the first time. I don't know, but I would also because they tell him they're like, "Oh no, that's not a woman. It's a man dressed like a woman." Yeah. So he wants to go confirm that. So even though I fully disagree with what he does, it makes more sense there. Because he's got some information. It's so weird when he does it the second time. We're not sure why he does it and what he feels. There's no confirmation of anything. Right. It's kind of like uh, gun songs. He seems okay with what he finds out, but we don't get, yes, I was just confirming they're trans and that, and they have like whatever I suspected under there. You know what I mean? Right. I, I think it's more they leave it open-ended because... They want the audience to believe whatever is comfortable for them. And that's problematic in itself. That doesn't seem like something that should exist in a movie. I also really want to do some research after this and just find out if there's like an Australian version of Two-Spirit Aboriginal people. Because if there are absolutely no trans people within the Aboriginal community... This kind of makes some sense, but I feel like that's not the case. I I would want to know that before passing further judgment on whether Dundee would know um, what that was about or how we, you should act. And ultimately, like he just got that hyper-masculine element to his character that has to do this stuff, especially in an 80s movie, as we've been saying so many times. So, you know, we've exhausted all this. It is very uncomfortable in parts. That's just the unfortunate nature of this. We can't get it. We can't. They can't all be don't tell mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's such a unicorn in this era of filmmaking where you just don't really have any problems with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, you making this famous or... 
I make it famous. Really? Uh, I make it famous with the TV edit, which I'm assuming takes out the transphobic moments. Who knows? At this point, I would hope so. But. I would hope so. Yeah. Um, I, I would even be cool with our kid watching this, barring those moments. Uh, yeah, I make it famous. I liked it. Cool. Cool. Uh, very excited to watch the next one. I thought we jumped right to Los Angeles next, but no, there's a Dundee 2 that is uh, different. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how many of these movies we turn into episodes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, looking forward to it either way. All right. The big question at the third act of our show. Yes. What are we watching next? What are we watching next? We have been arguing a lot about the merits and downfalls of Jack Harlow. And he is going to be in a movie uh, that's a remake of a movie you really like. He's going to be in the new White Man Can't Jump. Uh, I would like to show you my favorite basketball film from my childhood. Okay. I am going to show you Like Mike. Oh, with um, Lil Bow Wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm into that. Okay, cool. I'm very much into that. Cool. It's really cute. I'm really so, excited about it. It's crazy that we're just now, like, I ju- I'm just now thinking of this, but um, that's very inspiring for me because I think musically, uh, that's going to be fun. I think there's going to be a lot of cool, like, fun music in that oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Um, just assuming Jermaine Dupri had some hand in the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, but I forgot to mention, I love the music in this movie, in Crocodile Dundee. Like, it's got elements of Australian, like, authentic Australian soundtracks. So, uh, I, sorry to give late praise. That should have been in my highlights. But, <laughs> um, yes, looking forward to Like Mike for the musical elements alone. I can assume that I will enjoy that. Heck yeah. Um, and it, it's basketball. Love basketball. Let's do it. Yeah, good. All uh, right. Sorry that uh, the Warriors are not in the... Playoffs. playoffs anymore but uh god yeah. damn it lebron let's get some basketball enjoyment elsewhere yeah man i'm ready for it i i'm i'm thoroughly excited very cool all right everybody check us out you know the name of the show look what you made me view uh you can find us on the socials we got an instagram and we have a gmail.com account and it's all just look what you made me view so if you have any questions or comments leave them there we look forward to talking at you next time about like mike Like Mike. I like this mic that I speak to you through. I hope you like the sound that comes to you. See you uh, next time. Wave you. Bye. Mm -hmm. Boing, boing.